Welcome back to another week here on MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. Ryan Drury, I'll be joined by Clarkie as Steve Sabrin is on a well-deserved vacation this week. We will welcome our friend, the Director of Operations at the St. Mary's Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame and Museum, Scott Crawford, on to talk about the hall reopening this week. July 20th was the opening. Get down there and check it out. We'll talk about that. The new facility there that everybody can experience. Some baseball chat as well. What will the Jays do? Then we'll have a little chat about the uh, NHL. Seattle expansion draft some of the debacle with that situation ESPN doesn't know the difference it seems between the NHL and the NFL is Zach Hyman gone for sure maybe not says Clarkie based on what he's hearing and we'll be joined by a great friend of the show head coach of the wing of Ironman Corey Hamilton to talk about the upcoming PJHL season and as always we'll be joined by one of our wagering experts from cool bet Pat Gregoire joins us this week to chat about some bets for the Olympics you're listening to watching mwo sports brought to you by coolbet.co this is mwo sports Welcome back to MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. Ryan Dre alongside Clarky, and we're very pleased to be joined by a great special guest back on the show. I believe his third, maybe even fourth appearance on MWO Sports, the Director of Operations at the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame and Museum in beautiful St. Mary's, Ontario. Scott Crawford. Scott, how are you, man? I'm doing really well. It's a sunny, beautiful night here, and kids are playing ball, and, and we're talking baseball, so you can't get any better. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. Uh Talk a, a little bit about what it's been like. Obviously, you guys just reopened on July 20th. Um, and, you know, you mentioned right before we hit record that you had a great opening day. There were lots of people in. Uh, what's it been like going through this period, just kind of almost sitting in limbo at the Hall of Fame up until <laughs> earlier this week? Yeah, it's been, you know, it's been tough, obviously. I mean, last summer, we only got open for two months. And this summer, we say we just opened this week. So, I mean, our normal regular hours are about six months a year and then the off season is just re, uh, pre-booked visits but so i mean the last two years have been sort of two months or less and um it, it's been tough i mean you just sort of it, it was nice to sort of it was good and bad to see that we were in step three of the reopening plan uh, bad because it took so long a lot of museums and and us thought we should be allowed to open in step two and the museum world tried to fight for that but obviously it didn't happen and uh but we knew when we knew we could open in step three so it's not like we had two days notice like a lot of times the last year or two there's been just a couple of days notice before things are allowed and um so we we knew when the day was coming and so we could plan for it and have the staff here and, and the museum extra cleaned and the staff trained and and open july 20th so scott besides cleaning what have you been doing the last year anything different inside for fans who have been there before yeah i mean we and a lot of stuff behind the scenes um we hired a Curator, obviously, Christy's been working very hard on the collection. I've been helping her somewhat too. Um, we've been different busy than we normally are, say with no golf tournament and no induction and, mm -hmm. and whatnot this year, and the museum being closed and the ball fields being closed. Um, it's been different busy, but again, it's we really need to get a jump on our collection and, and start preserving it. And uh, we've had a real, uh, the last year and a half, we've done a lot more than we ever thought we would. Scott, just for people that maybe haven't visited the museum before, I mean, I mentioned, yeah, I haven't been there since you guys renovated it uh, throughout the year in 2018. I can't wait to come back and check it out and see some of the new stuff that you've put in there. What sort of things can people expect when they walk through the doors at the uh, Hall of Fame and Museum? Yeah, they're going to they're gonna love it. I mean, it's it's right, oh, wrong shoulder, right there <laughs> is the front door. And uh, um, it's, it's just all, we not only, we did three things when we did the expansion, we obviously expanded by 2,500 square feet. We have a, a room that's uh, rotating displays and exhibits. We have an archive and storage room and our research library. And we renovated the old part of the museum. So you were there last time it was just the older museum. Well, it's completely done over, uh, professional like, and, uh, and then we moved our offices in house too. Before we had two different locations for everything and it was really complicated and and odd for all aspects so we we did sort of three phases when we did the expansion in 2018 and and people are going to see a, a beautiful museum that's professionally done and with a lot of cool stories in it scott what are you some of your favorite stories that are inside oh, <laughs> there's a whole bunch um because uh, uh, people ask me how long a tour is and i said well do you want the scott 20 minute tour that's got two hour tour <laughs> and uh because I, I could you know as being a baseball nut 
I could talk forever. I'm sure like you guys too, your favorite sport, you could talk forever about your favorite sport in baseball and whatnot. Um, I would say some of the highlights, um, you know, we have Joe Carter's home plate and batting helmet from his world series winning home run back in 93, uh, two of the, you know, but is the biggest hit in blue Jay history in my mind. And basically the biggest hit in baseball history. You can't do anything bigger or better than hit the world series winning home run. Um, so to me, that's the biggest hit in baseball history. And uh, we got the home plate and the batting helmet. So that, that's pretty cool. That's probably, you know, my, my top two favorite artifacts. I mean, we, uh, I don't make it sound like it's nothing. I mean, we have Babe Ruth autograph bat and ball, um, which are obviously very rare and very unique, but, um, that would be probably a baseball thing, but Canadian wise or Toronto Blue Jay wise would be, would be the home plate and helmet. That's incredible. I mean, I think that, you know, certainly in our area and for Blue Jays fans, it's enough of an excuse to come down just for that, let alone all the other incredible stuff you have and including the new 2,500 square feet. I mean, I know people are going to be excited to just get out and look at some of this stuff. You mentioned Babe Ruth. I know uh, you love baseball. We love baseball. Let's talk a little bit about baseball and a guy that's getting compared a lot to Babe Ruth lately, Mr. Shohei Otani. I mean, what is your impression of what this guy's doing? And just you've been watching baseball your whole life, Scott. I mean, how wild is it watching him do what he's doing on the mound and at the plate? It's obviously very special. I mean, a few people have tried it. It's um never really worked i mean there's been a few guys that have tried to do it last year's fellow tampa bay and there's one with the cardinals and um otani took a few years to get really um comfortable he obviously had some injury issues um you know with arm last in the big league because they train different and pitch less in japan um he's showing he's put it all together this year there's no doubt and um it, it is impressive the early on in in the season i could uh, also compare him to canadian tip o'neill because tip o'neill started out as a pitcher in the in the 1880s way different time period obviously but 1880s tip o'neill was a pitcher um just like otani and babe ruth and then became one of the best hitters in all of baseball history and uh obviously babe ruth is a number one with all that otani's now surpassed tip o'neill in his numbers um but it's it's amazing like i just i just keep waiting for him to run out of energy you know or get yeah. hurt you know i'm not wishing it on him because it's so exciting for baseball but People don't do this, right? And, and just wait for one day for him just to get tired. And, you know, that 98-mile-an-hour fastball is now 95, and people can hit it. And that he's got 34 homers. Well, you know, maybe he has a couple that hit the, you know, go to the warning track instead of over the fence. But uh, he hasn't slowed down yet. And, and uh, I mean, he's it, we all love Vladimir Guerrero, and, and, uh, but if Otani keeps this up pitching and hitting, <laughs> that, that three-letter MVP award might, uh, might go Otani's way. Uh, and Vladdy Jr. is coming back to Toronto. That's got to be obviously big news for baseball fans everywhere that the Jays are indeed returning to Canada, which is exciting. Um, and this team is pretty exciting right now. They lost a couple this week to Boston, which didn't help their chances. But where do you think they have to go? I, obviously, I would think you're going to say pitching, but what, like anywhere else you see this Blue Jay team needing to uh, get over this hump. Yeah, I know it's pitching like almost every other team. I mean, if you look at their starting nine, how do you how do you improve that, right? I mean, the outfield has four starting outfielders, so they're rotating through those three. Um, you know, infield with Simeon and Bichette up the middle. is uh, going to play every day at third base. Vladimir's obviously going to play every day at first base. Um, and then you got the two catchers. Um, you know, catching's been uh, – the hitting has been too great for the catching this year, but obviously – um, you know, there aren't a lot of good hitting catchers, so it's not, they might not be great, but if you compare them to all the other teams, it's what catchers do these days. They don't hit mm -hmm. very well. Majority of them. Um, there's guys like Buster Posey and a few others that hit very, very well, obviously, but, uh, you know, pitching, I mean, they, they got Ray and they got Ryu as the top two, um, you know, Stripling's been on and off and, uh, you know, it'd be nice. Like Thomas Hatch is going to start and Mano has been very good. He's just a rookie and he hurt his back this week. So hopefully he's, only going to miss one start and um you know they sneak consistently obviously i mean they had that bad streak in you know a month ago or whenever it was that the bullpen was blowing everything that that was you know that was had to be blowing um you know they're it's tough to be good all the time their bullpen their bullpen took a lot of heat for being bad and wrecking and blowing everything um from chatwood and dolis and everyone in the bullpen basically except uh really romano um and but i think you know, from where they, you know, with Springer now back in the lineup every day, and they get the bullpen fixed a little bit. Um, I think, 
I think they're going to be right there at the end of the year. I mean, Tampa Bay sounds like they're making a big trade tonight, and uh, that will definitely help their hitting. But, um, you know, they, we'll just have to see. we got to play good. we got but uh, two months, two and a half, ten weeks left in the season. We, we better win a lot of games. I would certainly hope so. And yeah, you mentioned the Rays. I, I can confirm Mark Feinsand is reporting as we record this show that uh, the Tampa Bay Rays have made a big play and acquired Nelson Cruz, the 41-year-old slugger from the Minnesota Twins. It looks like the Twins are going to pack it in for the year, and I think they probably should based on the year they've had. So that's obviously a pretty significant deal for them. But like you said, Scott, I mean, I don't know where this team really needs to improve in terms of the Blue Jays in terms of hitting. I think outside of pitching, would you maybe say if they could, maybe not even this year, it would be kind of a hard trade to shake, but maybe they'd like a more well-rounded third baseman. Biggio's looked okay there, but he's a second baseman by trade. Would you say that maybe that would be a guy defensively anyway that they would maybe look at in the offseason? Yeah, I've always liked Biggio at second base. I don't I don't like the fact that he moves around so much. There's been very few players that are successful at it. Obviously, Ben Zobris was a decade ago and and there's three or four other guys now that are that are, are good and can play four or five positions and still hit well. Um, if I had my take, I would put Bijou at second and and go get a third baseman next year. Um, they got a couple guys at double A, their top draft picks the last couple of years. Um, you know, they're playing at double A, sort of they missed they missed last year because of the the uh, COVID. And so I'm not sure if they're going to be ready come spring training for the big leagues. Um, they might be They're They're both having good years at double A, but uh, the question mark could be Simeon. I mean, what do you do with Simeon next year? Um, you're wearing your Oakland A's hat. So obviously uh, you know a lot about him playing for Oakland uh, last year and he's having another great year. He's, I mean, he's an all-star. He's one of the top, whether he plays shortstop or second, he's still one of the top middle infield hitters in the all of baseball. And you know, he's on a one-year deal. So what do you do with him next year? And again, if he obviously is a shortstop, but I don't think the Jays are moving Bichette anywhere off short. And, you know, does Simeon, will Simeon play third? Will they keep him at second? He's going to want $80 million at least. And will, will the Jays shell that out too? So um, Simeon's going to be an interesting question uh, in the offseason for sure. Did you watch the, uh, just to change topics a little, did you watch the uh, the women Canadian softball team at the Olympics these last couple of days? I, I watched uh, them beat Mexico and then lost a heartbreaker to the U.S. last night. Yeah, no, it, and it's such great uh, ball. I mean, there's obviously differences between basketball and baseball, but yeah. they're both ball and they're both amazing. And, and obviously, unfortunately, Canada's baseball team didn't make it. So mm -hmm. the cheer on the women's basketball team is great. There's some very well-known uh uh, ladies on that team um you know brett laurie's sister plays on that team and jason bay's sister plays on that team they both played in the 08 olympic last time fastball was in the olympics or softball was in the olympics so it's it's really cool they've come back and played and and they're two of the top players on the game or on the teams in those games and it's gonna be exciting we got a couple more games i think unfortunately you know the olympics haven't officially started <laughs> until this weekend yet most of the fastball is going to be over uh, yeah so i think some people are even even forgetting it's on but it's it's so they're, they're so talented and the game is so fast and played so sharp it's it's amazing to watch it is i'm sort of disappointed being a i'm a fastball guy i've coached uh women's uh fast pitch for a long time and just playing on a baseball diamond just doesn't look right to me i wish it was a a, a complete softball diamond but you get used to it i guess at the end yeah no it's uh you know it's it's you it's all the same dimensions it. right it's yeah, all the same dimensions they, just looks yeah. different yeah, it does definitely look different. You see the fence sort of halfway out, whatever the dimensions yeah. are for, for Olympic fastball. Um, mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, as long, long as we win, we'll play on any field. That's right. <laughs> and they showed last night, I think, that they can compete. They need to get the bats going against the Americans. But, boy, the pitching was good last night, that's for yeah, sure. Yeah, no, they're a, they're a top team and, and uh, mm -hmm. exciting. And and uh, we finished fourth. I know 2008 was a long time ago. But, yeah. again, that was last time it was in the Olympics. And mm -hmm. uh, we finished fourth and. In the Olympics, so and we're still one of the top countries in in the world for for uh, fastball, so or softball, so it's uh, exciting. It is exciting, and uh, our viewers and listeners will remember that we had uh, Clarkie's old friend Jant Leung on the show uh, before she headed over to Tokyo. You can go back and listen to that on the podcast on CKNX.ca and all your favorite podcast apps. Scott, before we let you go, uh, I just want to ask you quickly. I mean, usually when we have you on, we're talking about what's going on with inductions and things like that. Looking forward to getting back to that next year. We hope. Uh, I want to ask you. We've had a nice chat about baseball. It seems for once, which is which is fun. 
fun to do. Uh, you know, we talked a little bit about Babe Ruth. We talked about Otani. Uh, who, in your opinion, is the best hitter of all time? Oh, that, that's a question and a half. Um, you know, I like the I like the combination of of hitting hit. You know, the five tools. Um, you look. I mean, all the time I talk about my favorites. I mean, obviously Ted Williams and Babe Ruth and Willie Mays and Ty Cobb. I mean, you look at those guys. I mean. I mean, may, maybe you have to go into, uh, you know, and I'll say a name and everyone else have 10 different names. That's for sure. But, you know, Willie Mays had the speed, the defense, the power and the average. Uh, I mean, it's hard to argue with that. But if each of you guys give me one name, too, I won't be able to argue with you guys either because there's so many, so many great names. But uh, Willie, Willie had an all around game. I, I like the all around game. You know, there's a lot of people that can just hit home runs and hit 220 or steal 40 bases and hit one home run. Um, but if you can do the all around five tool game that you're the ultimate player. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You'd have a tougher time finding somebody better at that than uh, Willie Mays. Absolutely. I'd, I'd have a hard time arguing there. I'll say Ted Williams, but I mean, I'm not going to argue with you with Willie Mays. It's a great uh, argument to have. And that's, what's great about baseball. Scott, we really appreciate this. We're so glad that the museum and the hall of fame is back open. It's in St. Mary's guys. If you want to have a great afternoon checking out some great uh, articles and uh, different things, memorabilia. Go to St. Mary's and check out the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame Museum. Scott will greet you at the door and give you the two-hour tour. <laughs> that's right. Don't let that scare you away. I'll, I'll give you a 20-minute tour, too. So no, that's great. Appreciate it, Ryan. Absolutely, Scott. We really appreciate this, my friend. Best of luck going forward this summer. Hope lots of people are coming through the doors. I know I'll be there. Thank you. Excellent. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Chris. Hey, we got to go down there, eh, Ryan? We got to absolutely get you and I let's just go. Let's we go should. down. Yeah. You want to make a day of it? I'm absolutely yeah. down to yeah. go down there with you, man. Yeah. I, I, like I said to Scott, uh, who's, who's always great when he comes on the show. I haven't been down in a while since I'm embarrassed renovated. to say I've never been, you've never been. You, well, Clark, you, I, so I'm embarrassed to say it. It's done. We're going we got to get uh, savvy. Maybe too. We're savvy by the way. Sabs will come. Sabs is on, like I mentioned earlier in the intro, he is on a much deserved vacation. Oh, yeah. So he is, right. he is, uh, I think he's actually doing like a staycation. I don't think he's even really doing anything fancy, but uh, he he's got two dogs and a cat and kids and everything else. So, yeah, yeah I'm losing he's track busy, all the sure. animals he's got there. Yeah. yeah. It's he names his animals after food. You notice that? Fritter yeah, and. I don't know what else, but Fritter is one of them for sure. Yeah, Fritter's a great dog too. Yeah, it's a great name. Quality Donut. Um, yeah, Sorry. something that wasn't quality though, Clarkie, and a million percent. You want to go, we're going to the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. Everybody should see it. Something that wasn't quality was the NHL's most recent expansion draft. Let's start there. Seattle Kraken, obviously the news of the week. Uh, they have selected their team. Raised some eyebrows. They had a lot of players that were of pretty high quality. Yes, high cap hits, the Tarasenko's, the prices of the world, and what have you. Uh, didn't pick those guys. Um, now, they did take, you know, Mark Giordano, which is, I think, the most significant loss of any single team. Um, the Calgary Flames lost their captain. Uh, Jordan Eberle, guys like that. I, I was sad that the Capitals lost Vitek Vanacek. But on top of the you know, somewhat questionable. And I guess I understand what Ron Francis is doing. He wants as much cap space as possible. Different approach to Vegas. Fine. On top of that, though, there were a number of things that just made it a lackluster event, a.k.a. typical NHL. They can't get anything right. And ESPN is the new rights holder along with TNT. And they did a broadcast of it, of course. And I mean, we were calling teams NFL names. We were messing up player names. Apparently, the Carolina Hurricanes have melded with the Carolina Panthers. They are now one franchise. Um, and I did think it, the Carolina Hurricanes social media people need uh, a props. They have changed their profile picture to the Carolina Panthers colors. They changed their handle to at Panthers. It's amazing. Um, so they took it in stride. But, you know, on top of that, everybody knew what all the picks were. I know. It was ridiculous. Steve Eiserman. How did Steve Eiserman manage to be the only guy where it was like, I guess everybody will tune in at eight to hear who Detroit lost. <laughs> yeah, who cares? You know, <laughs> I know. I, I, yeah, I don't get it. Um, 
I don't understand how it all leaked out. Like you, we knew that Carey Price wasn't going to get picked. We knew. I, I mean, yeah, it was very bizarre. Um, you know, reporters and, and reporters, they're going to do their thing. But should there not have been some sort of, I don't, gentleman's agreement? Like yeah, we're not going to tell anybody. You don't absolutely. tell anybody because the yes. NHL, like it's great having the insiders and the reporters breaking stuff. And, the, and that's awesome. Yeah. But for a marquee event like this, and I'm sure Seattle's probably pissed. Jerry Bruckheimer and the guys are probably, you know, silently in a room behind the scenes, really mad. They oh, just how did it happen? million dollars. Like that didn't, I don't remember that happening in Vegas. Not to this extent. Like we all knew they were taking Mark Andre Fleury and sure. um yeah. Oh, oh my gosh, Derek Engeland. They yeah. made that very public. Yeah. Well, Engeland, um, well, he was a local, right? He's the local yeah. guy and yeah. Fleury as well, because they yeah. wanted to have those two guys on stage at the event and let everyone right. know these two dudes are on the team, they're gonna be there. Yeah, but the rest I was, of the I, roster we didn't know. I was a little torn on Wednesday night because Team Canada was playing the USA at eight o'clock and the Kraken expansion draft was eight o'clock. Well, by three in the afternoon, I seem to have known everyone they were picking, including the greatest, you know, he'll go down as one of the best Leafs of all time. Jared McCann. Uh Like, (laughs) I, like, I I guess they would rather have lost McCann than, uh, than Alex Kerfoot. And that's why they made the deal. I'm sure he, uh, Dubas, I'm talking about, was probably yeah. spoke to uh, Ronnie Francis before the uh, expansion draft and said, "Hey, if we get this guy, would you take him?" And I'm sure there was a little agreement there, so it cost him a seventh and some guy I've never heard Philip of. Philip Hollander, yeah, yeah. So at the end of the day, um, I was sort of looking forward to Jared McCann, Stratford guy, right? Yeah, playing for yeah. the playing for the Leafs, but he's gone. Mm-hmm. He's gone to Seattle, and yeah, Carey Price. We knew in, we knew in the morning they weren't taking Carey Price. Like what? I was like, what's going on? How do we know they're not taking Carey Price already? Not that I thought they were going to take him anyway. Um, I think Montreal wanted them to take him. I really do. I think that was their way out of that contract. To a and, degree, uh, probably. I really think they wanted them uh, wanted them to take him, but the end of the day he's still a montreal canadian and they have 15 16 million wrapped up in two goalies again so we'll see i talked to one of our guys a little colleague of yours now tom Williscraft, a big montreal fan and we of course had a little wager on the uh the playoffs and now it's a double or nothing i don't think montreal is going to make the playoffs next year and it's a double or nothing bet so we'll see what happens with tom and i's bet we'll keep track of that yeah you you might come out okay there i mean montreal's he said to me, because he said to me, and this is what set me off, Carey Price, best chance to win a cup would be with Montreal. And I'm like, like Montreal or who? Like, are you talking about Montreal and Seattle? Or are you talking Montreal and the field? Anyway, that's where it started. And I said, you're, you're, I won't say what I said, but. Yeah, well, we'll leave that between you. Um, <laughs> yeah, anyway. Um, you know, it's, yeah, I, and I understand. And actually, you know what, I, I, that was one of the few moves that I actually thought was a good play by Ron Francis. Yeah. Uh, not because I understand it because people are going, oh, well, look what Vegas did with Flurry and all this stuff. First of all, Mark Andre Flurry was making $3 million less, mm-hmm. and $3 million will do a lot for you in terms of depth. That's a really solid. Yeah, but how much has the cap center. gone up? How much has the cap gone up since Vegas picked? Not at all. In it, three years, the cap has certainly gone up. It didn't go up. It's been 81.5 for about four or five years okay, now. Okay. It's been static. Um, that's why the Leafs signed all those big contracts. I know thought, that I know that I know. You don't have to, you don't, ago. don't go there. Don't go well, there. Well, because they thought probably two years ago that by now it would maybe be something well, like 90, right? Yeah, and it probably yeah. would be under normal yeah. non pandemic. Oh, yeah, for sure. But I, I supported it because, first of all, Flurry making less money. He was a little bit younger or, well, maybe about the same age as Price, yeah. but also not the nagging injury history that has dogged Price with the hips and the knees. Mm-hmm. Flurry said some injury, sure, not to this extent. Um, mm-hmm. Price is going to need surgery. And now, Shea Weber, it's sounding like his oh, career yeah. might be over, which so the now, National Predators are crossing their fingers. That, it, that it's not over. Yes, because <laughs> they're going to get they're going to get major hit, and so will Montreal, right? Like it's going to they'll absorb some teams. of it. They will have to yeah. absorb some of it. It's a joke, though. The whole cap recapture thing's stupid. The NHL, yeah, but there was a they rule: take one step forward, three steps back. I don't yeah. know. Anyway, anyway, yeah, it it was uh, 
a very anticlimactic it was. draft and I don't even really feel like talking about it anymore because what else is there to say? Yeah, I don't uh, think I came out of, just just to wrap that up. I don't think I came uh, off the um, the the Vegas expansion draft thinking they were going to compete for a Stanley Cup, which they obviously did. Uh, I did. I said they'd finish last. Right. So that's why I'm. People are saying now that Seattle didn't do near as good a job as as Vegas did. Well, but when the, when the Vegas draft happened, as you said, a lot of people thought they would be last. So anyway, uh, we'll see. Time will tell. The thing yeah. that the thing that um, is resonating with me though is there was a lack of okay I'll give you some draft picks if you don't pick this guy like there was a lot of wheeling and dealing when Vegas did it and I think teams learned that you know what we're not doing that anymore no Vegas got no. too good of a team and we're not doing it anymore so I think Seattle were uh, handicapped a little bit with uh, with that so I, I completely agree you look at what Florida and Minnesota in particular did the mm -hmm. Vegas draft they didn't do anything near that this time around right uh let's talk quickly uh, as well Zach Hyman there's some conflicting rumors now sounds like he's maybe going to Edmonton but Clarky you're hearing that it might not quite be done yet well, it's not done yet. Well, first of all, it can't be done. It's not unless official. The Leafs, unless the Leafs trade him. As we record this, it's not yeah. official. Nothing's right. happened. The Leafs have to trade him for Edmonton hmm. to sign him right now. To an um, eight-year deal. Yes. To to any deal. They can't sign him unless the Leafs trade him. Well, he's a free agent. He could sign He's not Ruben. a free agent yet, Ryan. He's not a free agent until free agency day. So the He'll, Leafs have yeah. to trade him. And the Leafs... They can't sign him to an eight-year deal, even if the Leafs did trade him. The Leafs would have to sign him to an eight-year deal, then uh, yes, trade him. The, the sign Leafs is the trade. only team that can sign him to an eight-year deal. Anyway, yeah. um, he's not worth the money. He's not worth five and a half. I'm sorry, but he's not. Is he a good player? Yeah. Are, would the Leafs maybe go up to five? Yeah, maybe. But I, I don't know. Um, five on like a four-year deal, maybe. I don't think they want to give him the term. He's 29, and again, we've talked at length about how, this like, guy and what he represents. Yeah, I agree. I, I understand, but I, I, I want to say something that I, I've said previously that some Toronto fans will hate me for, and that's fine. I don't care. Yeah. He is an extremely replaceable player. I 100% agree with you, which doesn't happen very often. I know. I agree. And, I agree. And so we should end the segment now and yeah, save fine. this moment for posterity. Um, no, yeah, I, 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 totally I love agree. Zach Hyman. So I, do I. I but love he's what not this guy's worth... all about. Yeah, I agree. No, I don't want him for five. If, if Brian no. McClellan's listening right now, Washington, don't give this guy $5 million. I, I would rather have what, Nick What does uh, I I'm inclined to agree at, at a cheaper deal. Like, because like, mm -hmm. for instance, for my team, if Brian McClellan, for some reason called me and said, Ryan, do you think we should sign Zach Hyman? I'd say, what, what, what does Zach Hyman do at five and a half that Lars Eller isn't already doing for you at three and a half? Mm -hmm. Exactly. You're right. I love Zach Hyman. I love the work ethic. I love the yep. no, never say die for mm -hmm. check. I love it. He's an extremely replaceable player. Yep. Okay. Not necessarily a replaceable person or personality in the dressing room. Fine. But or, if or about his skill set endorsements. Yeah. Insurance commercials. Yes. Like whatever. Do you think you'll get those in Edmonton? I don't know. Mm, Connor takes up a lot of air. Yeah. No kidding. And yeah, this guy's getting it in Toronto. He's yeah. getting it now with the guys they have. Yeah, well, Toronto loves it, the pluggers, right? Like fourth line players in Toronto get commercials, right? I think you know? it's the Toronto. It's what do they call it? The Toronto syndrome, where a guy in Toronto gets overinflated, and and someone's going to overpay for this guy. And go ahead, Edmonton, overpay. Go. I agree. Really quick as well, NFL news at a at a weird time of year. OTAs are over all that stuff. The NFL has informed clubs if a game can't be rescheduled during the 18-week season this year uh, due to a COVID outbreak among unvaccinated players, the team with the outbreak will forfeit and be credited with a loss. Very significant news here, Clarky. Do you agree with what the, NI, uh, the NFL is doing here? Of course. Of course, I, I agree with it. Um, but you're not going really to force the anti-vaxxers to get the vaccine. That's the thing. They, they yeah. you know, like, um, they're forcing so, them without really forcing them. Aren't yeah, you they? can't you force know? them, but yeah. Uh, yeah. How would you like to be the, the group of 10 to make your team miss the playoffs or whatever it would be? You know, yeah, well, there's a guy in Buffalo that's been pretty vocal lately. Can you imagine if the bills miss the playoffs by one win? 
Well, not only that, but this variant is like taken over again in the States and it's 99% of the people in hospital are without vaccines. You're absolutely you right, man. I'm not telling anyone to get one. I'm just saying here are the facts. Here are the facts, uh, you know, as the as the conspiracy theory crowd likes to say a lot, do your research, you know, yeah. watch watch what websites you're using, though, folks. All right. Exactly. We really appreciate Scott Crawford joining us. Clarky, you're out of here. When we come back, I will sit down and chat with Wingham Ironman head coach Corey Hamilton about the upcoming season and the outlook for the Ironman who were oh so close to maybe winning a title a couple of years ago when it was taken away from us by the pandemic. And of course, I will chat with Pat Gregoire, our wagering expert from CoolBet right after that here on MWO Sports brought to you by CoolBet.co. This is MWO Sports. Welcome back to MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. Ryan Drury, and I'm very pleased to be joined by a great special guest, friend of the show and friend of CKNX Junior Hockey, Mr. Corey Hamilton, the head coach of the Wing of Ironman. Hammer, how are you, buddy? I'm great, boys. How are you guys doing? Long We're time doing no very chat. Well. I know. Yeah. It's been a little while since we've had you on. I mean, at least since back in the spring when it looked like things were going to maybe start opening up again. And unfortunately they didn't. Uh, but now we know that since the last time we've talked to you anyway, that we're going to have hockey again and what a, what a breath of fresh air, what a relief that is. We're going to be starting up the league in October. I can't wait. I'm sure you feel the exact same, my friend. Yeah, I'll be honest. It's uh, up until maybe a month or so ago. It's kind of like, is this really happening? I don't know. I don't want to get too excited and then get crushed again. But I, I truly am starting to really feel like this is uh, this is happening. And, and I'm starting to get the mojo going here a little bit myself. I is- can't wait. Yeah, it's it's going to be awesome. And I know you're one of the more passionate coaches in the league for sure. I've I've seen your routine on the bench. So uh, I'm very excited to uh, be a party to that again and, and just call this great league that we that we all love. Let's talk about the league a little bit. I mean, what's the last few weeks been like for you and the management team in terms of getting returnees, new signings? I mean, what kind of work have you guys been up to? Can you can you give us any inside scoops on anything? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, obviously, you know, Wayne and myself and, uh, and, and, you know, a few of the coaches, Dawson uh, Smith, for instance, uh, we've been keeping in touch, especially the things have been ramping up the last uh, month, maybe two months, kind of with some discussions around players and, and more recently kind of talking about uh, scheduling for, for camp and that sort of thing. So, um, you know, it's, it's definitely, you know, maybe this is why the mojo is starting to go. We're starting to talk about real dates and uh, you know, players and signings and this and that. So, yeah, it's uh, starting to definitely feel real. It's, it's been a, a feels like forever. A lot of things uh, have kind of happened. Uh, I mean, you look back to when we were last able to, to coach and do what we love. And, uh, you know, it was kind of like, I know I said this last time we talked, Ryan, a, w- a while ago, we got the rug pulled under, out from under us in the in the finals there against Mount Forest. And uh, it's definitely been a bit of a yo-yo um, over the last year, you know, get exciting and then let down and then, so, you know, and, and I know every team's going through the same thing, but uh, yeah, right now we're starting to really start to plan and, and get things, um, get things ready to go for probably late August uh, for kind of a, you know, a bit of a, you know, kind of get the rust off skate and then we'll roll into a rookie skate early September. And then right from there, we'll, we'll get right into main camp and try not to waste too much time getting our team ready. Well, I'll probably uh, poke my head in the door and uh, check some of that out because I just miss the smell of an ice rink. I mean, there's something about a hockey rink in a small town. I just love the smell of it, the sound of it. There's nothing that can match it. Um, and, and Hammer, you mentioned, you know, last time you guys were able to coach and, and be on the ice, you really did have the rug pulled out from under you. And I, I know we've kind of, you know, beat this topic to death, you know, in talking to you over the last year of this pandemic we've all been through, but uh, probably one of the most unfair sporting things that I've ever been a part of is, is seeing what happened to, to your wing of Ironman that year and the Mount forest Patriots, the, the defending champs. We were sitting at a one, one series tie after an unbelievable game two. We thought, boy, this is going to be a six or seven game war. The Ironmen are ready to kick the door down. It seemed. And I mean, how long has it taken you or, or have you even been able to get over how bitterly disappointing that situation was? Will you ever get over it? Uh, you know, I think I'm 
probably over it now. But at the end of the day, when you when you when you take a second to kind of think back to what what it was like, what the situation was that we were in, it certainly leaves a little bit of a you know a little bit of a a, a pain in your heart to know. And, and I'm sure Mount Forest feels the same way. We were two good teams. We worked hard. We made lots of you know moves. We in our situation, we we had guys that kind of were there through the grind. We lost to Mount Forest two years in a row. Uh, the, the previous two playoffs rounds. Uh, or playoff uh, seasons and and we felt like we were ready for some revenge we felt our team was in a good spot and uh, you know what at the end of the day I'm sure they felt the same way as well so I think uh, as much as it hurts you know it's it, there's no nothing anybody can do everybody went through the same type of stuff at all different levels of sports and, and life in general so as much as it sucked you know uh, you got to kind of move on and try to get over it and I do you know as much as coaches, yes, uh, you know, we felt like we put a lot of work into it and management and, and everybody that's involved with the organization. But the ones I feel for the most are the players, especially the overage guys that just really never got a chance to come back in and, and, and kind of uh, uh, redeem themselves or, or kind of, you know, finish things off the way they deserve to, uh, the, o- the older guys. Um, so those are the guys I feel for the most. But, uh, you know, again, you look at what happened last year with a full season that never happened. And, you know, that 99 group for us was a pretty special group that we had ready to go. And, uh, you know, those guys too, I mean, they, they, they got absolutely, hopefully I can say this on, uh, on here screwed, you know, they got, they got screwed over, but again, everybody went through the same thing. Uh, all the teams probably had a lot of good players that, uh, that they that went through the same let down and so here we are uh finally you know talking about real hockey and i i really hope that uh everything goes off without a hitch here in october and uh, we can get back to normal me too hammer and i know i i speak for steve and and scott bridge and and our entire cknx junior hockey crew and we say we're we're just so excited that we can actually talk about uh a real season with people like you that we love to cover and have these chats with it, it it's nice to kind of finally be putting that word pandemic behind us a little bit anyway in terms of sports, you know, you mentioned again, I don't want to look too far into the past again here and and we can look to the future after this, but you mentioned some of those, those special players. I mean, we're talking about the wing of Ironman here with you. And I think of that team that you guys put together that year and some of the guys that we're just not going to get to see again and, and a really special team you mentioned. I mean, you, you think about the Toltons, the Collinsons, I mean, just so many good players and, and him in particular, you know, and you, can mention some of the other guys, but Carter Collinson, boy, I'm, I, I felt really bad for him. A kid that just, you know, bled wing of Ironman golden blue. He was such a great team guy. And for my money, probably the best defenseman and one of the best players I've ever seen play in the league. And I've been watching the league a long time. Um, just talk a bit about what it was like having that guy in your locker room every day and knowing how, how easy it was. You know, I, I remember watching a documentary years ago, not to, you know, put too lofty of a name next to Carter's, but I remember watching a Nick Lidstrom documentary years ago. And when Mike Babcock was the coach going, it's the easiest thing to pencil in on my team sheet. And I felt like Carter was that for you. What was that like as a coach to have a guy where it was just automatic? You knew you were going to get the very best every night. Well, I got uh, first got a taste of Carter uh, probably back when I was wearing my scouting hat, but then coaching um, my, my year before I started with the Ironman, I, Carter actually had played with uh, a little bit with the uh, Listowel Midgets, and and he uh, we were lucky. I coached the King Carter Midgets, and we were really lucky. Uh, Carter, I mean, I obviously hate saying this, but he had, he had a bad injury, and so we were able to kind of cruise through that playoff series, knowing that he wasn't uh, in the series that uh, gave us a huge advantage. And then, you know, rolling in the next year, obviously uh, taking the job with the Ironman, he was the, probably the guy that I was excited to, to coach. And to you know, hopefully build a team around uh, as well as Logan and a few other guys. I mean, Ray, uh, Reese Fulmer and Chase Mears obviously are two uh, pretty special players as well. Um, and I, and yeah, back to Carter for a second. The guy, he was like like just like you know, reference Babcock talk about Lindstrom there. Like you never had to worry about Carter. He he showed up. His competitive juices were never something you ever had to worry about. And that definitely rubbed off on everybody. And it didn't matter whether you're playing Godridge or you're playing. Mount Forest, it, it, it didn't matter. He was, he was wanting to, you know, when he put the, when he put the gear on, it was, it was all systems going and a uh, special player, uh, you know, probably you can't replace a guy like that. You just have to, you know, you just have to find some, you know, maybe two guys that can kind of fill the void of what he, uh, what he did for us. 
And uh, the good thing is uh, he got to rub off on a lot of players that are, that are still in our system. And I, I say that for, for Chase Mears and, and Reese Vollmer and Logan Tolton and even Corey Restool, who never got to, you know, he might've been the odd guy out for us um, uh, last year, but he still had an impact on our lineup and our young guys that we will still have coming back. And so those guys, although they got uh, kind of screwed out of a year, uh, last year we did do a little bit of skating and stuff where we were able to kind of keep ourselves going just in the event, you know, maybe by a stroke of luck, we were able to play. Uh, those guys were always committed. They were there as older guys. They could easily said, you know what, screw that. I, I, you know, different things going on, but they were there they were keen. And, uh, you know, that shows a lot about their character, but we'll miss those guys big time, but they, you know, they did a great job for us. You know, they got the rug pulled out of them just like the rest of us did, you know, who knows what would happen in that series, but they did leave a lasting impression. They were great Ironmen. And guys that I, uh, I'll look back on someday and, and be very honored to be able to coach. Absolutely. Well said. I don't think I could put it better myself. And yeah, that that's something that'll stick with us as well as broadcasters. The what if, what what great hockey we, we could have been in store for. And it's something we'll unfortunately never get back. You mentioned looking forward, though. Excited. We're going to get hockey again. And I'm, I'm so pumped up. You rattled off a, a good three or four names there that you're going to have coming back. That's a pretty good returning core. I mean, it, it sounds like you guys are going to be set up for another good season. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Uh, Wayne, Wayne in conversation this week brought to my attention one, of, and I won't get into too many names here. Uh, I don't know how many people will, will see this uh, interview, but there was a, a team, I guess, that asked for Wayne, um, you know, how are rebuilds going? And I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, a little bit of fuel on the fire, perhaps, uh, you know, it, whatever it takes to kind of get you going. But I certainly don't necessarily feel like we're rebuilding. I mean, maybe we're all rebuilding in, in some ways, uh, you know, without uh, two years or so of hockey, but I feel like with the guys we have returning and the guys we had signed to come back or just to play for us for the first time last year. And, and so far, uh, uh, well, Austin Becker, uh, signed already, you know, some of those guys that we were really excited to see in their rookie years last year, now a year older, a year bigger, a year more mature. And, uh, so I think the league is going to get to see a lot of these young guys that, you know, are going to come in an extra year older and probably right away impactful in, into their, uh, with their teams. And we have a handful of those guys that we're pretty excited to, to get going and, and to see how they fit into our lineup and to see how they fit into what we're trying to do. Um, certainly, uh, there's going to be some some new lines like Kyle Stanbury. You know, he was pretty uh, stuck with Reese Falmer. Uh, th that that pairing is no longer there. So it's, it's kind of finding new different uh, combinations of, of guys that are going to work together. And, and that's all the fun stuff that as coaches we're looking forward to. Absolutely. I agree. And I, I think it's one of those things that, uh, you know, I think people take for granted, at least from your guys' perspective is, you know, you go to the rink, you see the players, people don't often consider all of the tinkering that needs to go on behind the scenes to make a junior hockey club run. And, uh, you guys are one of the best organizations around for doing that. So I'm so excited to be calling Wingham Ironman games again, uh, down at the West cast. It's going to be fantastic, man. And, uh, yeah, what we, I can promise you this. We won't call it a Wingham Ironman rebuild. We'll, we'll call it a, a revamp. How's that? Well, Hey, honestly, we got to prove ourselves on the ice, but I, I look at how many guys we have able to return minus the guys that we already mentioned that are, are aged out. Uh, we got both of our goaltenders back, you know, same goaltenders that we had in the finals two years ago. Uh, Devin Carson, I'm sure he's chomping at the bit to get that net back. Uh, you know, Dawson Farr, I thought he was starting to become a man out there, uh, you know, in his rookie season with us, uh, Colson Fisher on the back end. Um, and there's a handful of guys that, you know, the league hasn't even seen that we had signed heading into last year, um, that I think are going to be pretty good players. And then up front, I already mentioned Kyle Stanberry, uh, Matty Tolton's back with us again. Uh, so he wasn't there that last year he was with Elmira. So he's back and keen. Um, and there's a, there's a bunch of Tanner Reed. There's a whole bunch of these guys that I think, um, you know, you know, a year or two older, uh, bigger, stronger, you know, boys turn to men, all these things, everybody's hungry to get out there. So, and again, I know every team's in the same situation, so I don't, I don't want to sit here and say that we're the only team that's like this, but we do feel like our guys are, are, you know, I can just tell by the conversations that I'm having with these guys that they're, they're, they're ready. They're ready to get back. Awesome. I'm excited to hear it, man. Don't call it a rebuild in Wingham, ladies and gentlemen. You heard it right from the horse's mouth. Corey Hamilton, the head coach of the Wingham Ironman, buddy. I really appreciate this. I can't wait to see you at the rink. Enjoy your vacation. I know you're at the lake right now. Enjoy it. And I can't wait to see you at the rink, my friend. Thank you. I can't wait to see you guys. I know that will make things real. See you guys. Thanks for having me on.
Absolutely. Thanks, Corey. All right, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll wrap up the show as always with our wagering expert, Pat Gregoire from CoolBet here on MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. This is MWO Sports. Back to wrap things up here on MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co for the week. Ryan Drury, pleased to be joined by our wagering expert from CoolBet. It's Mr. Pat Gregoire. Pat, how you doing, brother? Doing good because I'm here on MWO Sports, so can't complain, buddy. Absolutely, that's good. Yeah, we we wouldn't uh, we wouldn't hear your complaint anyway. We'd file it away somewhere somewhere <laughs> yeah, and never exactly. look at it again. Uh, let's talk a little bit Olympics, man. I mean, it's a bit of a light sports weekend. Of course, baseball's mm-hmm. on, but all eyes turning toward Tokyo, despite some concerns with the virus over there. The game's going ahead so far anyway. So let's talk some Olympics. I know you've got some bets you have in mind here for the folks listening and watching. Let's start with women's soccer. What have you got? Yeah, so women's soccer opened up their campaign against uh, Japan with a draw. And despite the rankings uh, for these two teams, Japan was actually uh, the favorite to win. So a solid result uh, for Canada. But I'm looking at their next match uh, on Sunday against Chile. And this is this is a there's two bets here that I think I'm looking for. The first one is minus two against Chile. And it's tough. I don't like laying that number usually in soccer, but I think there's just a big disparage between the two teams in terms of talent. And especially with the way that this tournament has unfolded to start uh, with the U.S. losing to Sweden, this thing is wide open. And I think that Canada realizes that this is uh, a big opportunity to win a medal. And I think they're going to want to come out with a statement victory here. Uh, obviously that Christine Sinclair, the goat has shown no signs of slowing down as well, scoring in that first game. I think they realize this is obviously her chance uh, to find on herself on the podium. So I think a three goal victory is a big ask, uh, but I think it can be done. I like the value at plus a one forty. And if you're not too sure about that, Take a look at the over two and a half as well, because a 2-1 victory for Canada cashes that. You won't win your plus or your minus two bet, but at least you have a little bit of a hedge there with that one. Absolutely. I love that bet. And like you said, Christine Sinclair, the Wiley veteran, the all-time uh, the all-time leader in international goals for female or male players. She just keeps on smashing volleys. She's not going to stop. And if Canada does win 3-0 or 3-1, she's probably a good bet to get all three of those. Uh, she's always goal-hungry, and it's fun to watch. All right, Corey Connors and Matt Hughes, these two guys have been heating up on the PGA Tour. Another impressive performance out of both of them. A little bit of a sloppy end at the Open, but these two guys have a really good chance at potentially meddling for Canada. What's the bet here? So right now, you know what? It is a little bit of a long shot. It is a little bit of a homer play, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to sprinkle a little bit on Corey Connors at 40, or sorry, 34 to one and Mac Hughes at 39 to one to win gold. Yes, win gold. And for me, I think they do have a legitimate shot. Yes, it's an impressive field with some of the biggest names in golf, John Rahm, Colin Morikawa. Uh, but I think these guys have been playing unbelievable golf. Like you mentioned, Corey Connors, a little bit of a, a disappointing finish to his weekend at the Open Championship. Mac Hughes, though, has been very strong. So I do think these two guys have a legitimate chance uh, to be in contention come Saturday. And note that it's actually uh, going to start on Wednesday. Wednesday. So uh, make sure you get that bet in as well and check back early next week as well, because cool bet is going to be offering all different sorts of odds. And there might be a special for those two guys to be combined for a medal. So take a look at that. And I think that's a bet that you'll want to take as well. Absolutely. I'll be hammering that bet. I mean, I love that at 39 and 40 to one respectively. I mean, that's just a win-win right there on, on two guys that absolutely have a shot despite the field at winning uh, gold. All right, let's talk about USA basketball. I know you wanted to highlight one of their games as well. Bit of a weird entrance into the tournament. I wish we could talk about Canada playing, but <sighs> they failed us again. Uh, but a bit of a stumbling block heading in a couple of uh, uncharacteristic, I guess we'll 
call them losses, particularly against Nigeria for USA basketball. What's the bet here? Yeah, so I, I think a lot of people are kind of questioning, okay, what Team USA are we going to see? They have had some impressive exhibitions, but obviously there was that two-game stretch where they lost to inferior opponents. I think, though, that this is a far too talented U.S. team that's going to come out and, and they're going to want to prove that they are the heavy favorites for a reason. They're taking on France, who has some very good, strong NBA talent led uh, by Rudy Gobert. I believe they have five NBA players on that roster. So it is a, you know, a, a tough opponent. But I think Kevin Durant, uh, who's going to be leading this team, just watch Giannis and the Bucs win in a year that he was supposed to win with the net. So I think he's going to have a little bit of a, a chip on his shoulder. A lot of people are, are starting to maybe doubt if this uh, dream team is a dream team. Obviously, there are some big names not on the roster, but still so much talent. It's 11 and a half points. It does seem like it's a big number, but when you stack the two rosters against each other and what's on the line more than just a medal and, and records in the Olympics, it's also bragging rights here. And I think that they can get it done. I do too. Uh, 11 and a half, I believe the spread against France. And yes. I, I like them to cover that as well. I mean, Katie and the boys are going to show up hungry and they're going to want to prove a point like you said. All right, Pat Gregoire. That's why he's our expert from cool bet. That's why you listen to him. And that's why you're going to cash in with his advice, <laughs> Pat. We really appreciate it, bud. No problem. Enjoy the games guys. We absolutely will. Olympics is always a fun time. All right, everybody. We appreciate you listening to and watching the show. Remember, you can listen live on Friday nights, 6 p.m. on CKNX AM 920 and CKNX.ca. Watch the show Friday nights at 8, Sunday nights at 9 with our friends on Whiteman TV. Find us on our YouTube channel, debuting live on YouTube on Friday nights at 9. And you can find the podcast on all the best podcast apps. Follow us on social media at MWO underscore sports. For myself, Ryan Drury, Clarkie, and Steve Sabrin, our wager expert pat gregoire from cool bet we appreciate you listening to and watching mwo sports brought to you by coolbet.co 